should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen? Let's pray over the reading of God's word. Gracious and heavenly Father, we just come to you thanking you and praising you today for your revelation to us. Lord, you've given us your word in the books of the Bible as a way of revealing yourself to us. And Lord, we know that the whole Bible points toward our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we know that Jesus is also your revelation to us of who you are and what you are and what you look like. So we just thank you and we praise you for it. We glorify you for it and we ask that you would never let it leave our minds that this revelation uh, comes with a certain amount of responsibility on our part to respond. So we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So the reason that we're coming uh, from this text is because it is our signature scripture at Roseland Christian Ministries. When I first came there, I can remember being in a, a Bible study with Reverend Tony, and he made us memorize that because it's so important. Uh, our mantra is uh, service uh, to God in, uh, in service, uh, work, service training and worship, excuse me, is our, is our mantra. That's what we go by. And it's all represented in this passage of Scripture. Uh, Jesus, who was... Lord of all, lived in heaven. He came not to be served, but to serve. Amen? And because of that, he receives worship. He is the name that is above every name. Amen? And, and also, we notice when Jesus came, he made disciples, right? So that's part of our mission at Roseland Christian Ministries is to make disciples and to serve others as Jesus did and, of course, to worship. So let's get into the word. Someone once asked about my favorite Bible verse or passage of Scripture, and aside from John 3.16, which talks about the reason any of us have hope, as Christians, I would have to say that our text for today would be my favorite. I like Philippians 2, 5 through 11, because the world would be so much better if we lived 
as that passage of Scripture calls. Now, I realize nobody's perfect, but what if we actually lived in this manner 90% of the time? Just 90%. We'll never be perfect, but just 90% of the time, if we could live that way, can you imagine it? I would probably be out of a job because there would be no need for Rosalind Christian Ministries if the world lived like this passage of Scripture calls us to. There'd be no need for a women's shelter. There would probably be no need for a food pantry. Am I right? Because nobody would be hungry, we would all feed each other. There would be no need for a homes corporation in Roseland because there wouldn't be a problem of housing. Many of the problems that ministry work addresses simply wouldn't exist. Think about it. Would a person with the mind of Christ be a slumlord? But I know of one apartment building in Roseland that, from what I hear, it ought to be shut down for health reasons. Would a person with the mind of Christ sell drugs to his fellow man when he knows it's destroying him? Would a bank operating according to the mind of Christ foreclose on a home, put its occupants on the street, and then abandon that house and leave it to be boarded up? That's happening and has happened. I could go on, but suffice it to say that the world as a whole would be much better off if we lived at that, as that passage of Scripture calls us to. In verse 5, uh, from the text that I work with as I wrote this, it reads, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And I like that it says that. It talks about our relationships with one another. When the Sadducees and the Pharisees sought to trip Jesus up with the question, which is the greatest commandment, we all know what Jesus answered, right? He answered with the top two commandments. He didn't just give one. And wouldn't you know that loving your neighbor as yourself comes only second to loving God with all of your heart, soul, and mind? And I wonder if we get the significance of that. Jesus even goes on to say that the command to love others is like the command to love God. You see, it is impossible to actually comply with that second commandment without complying to the first one. Loving God means loving those created in his image. Furthermore, the word of God tells us that our love for God for one another will show the world that we are disciples of Jesus. We even sing it in a hymn, right? And they'll know we are Christians by our love. We all know that one, right? And I think about the flip side of that. What, what would people say about us when we don't act like Philippians 2 calls us to? What does that look like? Do we look like disciples of Christ when that happens? 
when we, when we uh, gossip, when, when we speak ill of each other, when we uh, seek to hurt one another, when we don't care for one another. Well, the next verse, or the next several verses, are referred to as a Christological hymn. If you notice in the Bible that it's indented, it's a, like a song. And it has two parts. It talks about the humiliation of Christ and the exaltation of Christ. And we can't fully appreciate this text unless we examine verse 6 closely and consider who Jesus really is. You see, in the book of John, chapter 1, it reads, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made, and without him, nothing was made that has been made. You see, Jesus was, in his nature, God. He had all the attributes and privileges of God. He had all the glory of God. His dwelling place was heaven. Can you imagine that? Heaven is what Jesus called home. Heaven, a place so full of beauty and splendor that if we were to to see it in its entirety, we'd probably be overwhelmed. He left a place where he knew no hunger, no pain, no suffering, just perfect peace and beauty. And why did he do that? He left heaven to become one of us. The Bible says he emptied himself. That is to say he laid aside his glory and his majesty to take on human likeness. But being born into the world as the best of human likeness was not his choice. You see, he could have came as a a king. He could have have come as as someone uh, uh, in royalty. He could have been born in a a palace, in a a crib of, of gold. But that's not what he chose. Instead, he came in the most humble of circumstances. He was born to a carpenter and his young bride. And when he was born, he was wrapped in swaddling cloths. And his bed was the trough that animals ate out of. I like to use an illustration that puts it into perspective. One of the most vile creatures, insects, on this earth is the cockroach. Amen? Come on, it's all right. (laughs) It is a nasty, disgusting creature, and nobody wants to be around it. And I like that illustration because when you see a cockroach, what do you want to do? Mm. Step on it. It doesn't deserve to live. 
what is this nasty, disgusting thing doing in, in, in my home or, or a place of business or whatever? You don't want to be in his presence, right? It kind of reminds me of our unholiness compared to God's holiness. You get where I'm going? So my point is the cockroach is synonymous with filth and it's disgusting. And I don't even think that this is an accurate comparison, but it's the best one I know to describe what we are compared to what God is. Compared to what Jesus left to become one of us. Imagine leaving all the privileges of being human. You all have your nice clothes on. Everybody's all dressed up, ready to come before God and worship. Not expecting to be stepped on. Who on earth would make such a move to become like the cockroach if it were possible? I don't even mean a roach living out in the country somewhere, breathing the nice clean air and looking at the night sky. I mean a city-dwelling roach feeding on garbage and constantly living with the danger of being sprayed with raid or stepped on. Now, I'm hoping my imagery makes you squirm. I gave this message once, and um, I want to get her name wrong. A woman named, I think it's Ellen Vandermolen was uh, in the congregation, and she said that it resonated with her because she had spent many years in the Philippines translating the Bible into the language of the, uh, again, I don't want to mess it up, I think it's the Ono Manobo people. She was translating the Bible into their language, and she said of all the things that she had to deal with, with the snakes and the lizards and all the crazy things. She said the roaches were the worst of it all. So that illustration resonated with her. And I, I hope it resonates with you. And I hope it makes you squirm. Because I want to make you understand the seriousness of Jesus' descent. At Rosalind Christian Ministries, we have a program called GROW, as you heard earlier. It stands for God Reforming Our Women. And basically, the mission is to provide housing, discipleship training for women who, for one reason or another, found themselves homeless and they need help getting back on their feet. And one thing I've heard over and over is how badly the homeless get treated, both in shelters and on the street. Someone told me that as they awaited shelter at a hospital, someone would come around and hit them with a stick if they fell asleep. Because they didn't want them sleeping in their place of business. It almost sounds like they were treated as less than human. Like they were the roach. And didn't deserve to be there. Now, I say this not to play on your emotions. But I say it because I want to ask... Who of you would leave your comfortable home, put on unwashed clothing, maybe become a little smelly, and live on the streets for even one day? 
You see, Jesus emptied himself. And he set aside his right to stay in his heavenly home and enjoy all that it has to offer. He did not hang on to his place and status in heaven. Instead, he willingly took on the form of a servant. That's a pretty long drop. The thing is, that's not where he stopped. Not only did he take on the form of a human, but he took on the form of a lowly human. Not only did he take on the form of a lowly human, but he humbled himself farther. Jesus, who owed nothing to humanity, humbled himself and became obedient to death. Not only did he become obedient to death, he became obedient to death on a cross. And I wonder if we understand what that means in this day and age. Because we look at the cross maybe like the death penalty. He was put to death, and he was put to death to atone for our sins. And to a certain degree, that's correct, but you have to understand what crucifixion was in those times. Crucifixion was reserved for the lowest social class of the ancient Roman world. Crucifixion was reserved for slaves and the like. So it was humiliating in what it implied. It wasn't just that he was being put to death. He was put to death in the most humiliating way possible. And it was the most cruel form of execution. I'm going to go back to my cockroach illustration. When you step on a roach, do you feel sorry for it? Can you imagine being a roach and having the weight of a full-sized human being come down on you? crushing every bone in your body. Crucifixion was the most cruel form of execution. Most of us would opt for the quickest and most painless way to die, would we not? That's assuming we'd be willing to die for mankind. Honestly, if it were you and I, and you couldn't avoid death and you just had to go through uh, death to save mankind you'd probably choose to go out in a blaze of glory, wouldn't you? you you choose to go out like the, the, the cowboys in the, in the Western film or, or some other thing that, that made you look brave and, and, and so on. I know I would. Or maybe some of you are more noble than I am. But the point is, Jesus didn't take that route. There was no glory as defined by man in the way he lived or the way he died. As a matter of fact, Jesus himself was homeless. Remember he said the the birds have nests and the foxes have holes, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head? It was for that reason that the Father exalted Jesus to the highest place. And he gave him a name that was above every name. It wasn't political positioning. It wasn't knowing the right people. In my former career, 
it was painfully obvious that it was a lot about who you knew. Maybe a little bit even more so than education. Maybe a little bit more than experience. It was about who you knew. But it wasn't for that reason that Jesus was exalted. It wasn't because he used the power to which he had access as a son of God to bring his opposition to their knees. Jesus said he could have called down legions of angels to fight for him, right? If that was his will. That wasn't what he wanted to do. That wasn't the Father's will. It was because Jesus humbled himself and took on the nature of a servant. Jesus even washed the feet of those who called him Lord. How many people are willing to do that? How's that for upside-down management? For that reason, every knee will bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen? The attitude of Jesus ought to tell us something. Jesus ascended to the highest place. But how did he do that? His status and glory didn't come from physical strength, though strength is not a bad thing to pursue. His status and glory didn't come from his family name, but I'm not saying it's a crime to be born into a prominent family. His status didn't and glory didn't come from his ability to amass a large fortune. I'm not saying it's bad to build wealth. But his status and glory didn't come from social maneuvering or politics. Bottom line is that Jesus was exalted to the highest place because he descended to the lowest place. Amen? Jesus received the name that is above all names because he humbled himself to the lowest possible position, and he suffered and died for the sins of mankind so that we might live. Amen?